Good morning, and welcome to the Presbyterian Church of the Covenant. This is the podcast recording for August 30th, 2020. My name is Reverend Jason Warren Griffiths, and I'm glad you're joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I have a couple announcements as we get going this morning. Um, First is, I'd like to thank Reverend Sharon Yagleiner. I was afforded the opportunity of being on vacation the last couple weeks and she did an excellent job covering and sharing from God's word last week so if you haven't heard last week's podcast make sure you go back and listen to it Um, my next announcement is next Sunday September 6th we're going to do a drive-in worship service at 10 a.m. in the back lot of Presbyterian Church of the Covenant's back uh, parking lot and I hope you'll join us And this was also going to kick off our new sermon series. In the fall, we're going to be studying um, how do we reach out to the people that God has placed in our lives and in our paths. Um, How do we love our neighbors, basically? And we're going to be using a a website called www.blesseveryhome.com. And we'll be using that as kind of the skeleton I think they have a good game plan as to equipping and sending the church, not necessarily out, but into their lives. Um, They have a strategy of pray, care, and share. So in September, we're going to be, how do we, we're going to be asking the question, how do we pray for our neighbors? Um, I think we log on to this blesseveryhome.com. And we're given the names of our neighbors. And so I think that's a good place to start, is knowing our neighbors and praying for them. Uh, And then in October, we're going to be, how do we care for our neighbors? And then in November, how do we share? And we'll learn more as we go along. But uh, for now, I just encourage everyone listening to log on to blesseveryhome.com, log in, and you'll be sent or emailed um, if you give them your email, they'll email you the names of your neighbors, the people that have signed on, and um, verses from Scripture to pray over them. And uh, what a great place to start. Anyhow, let's um, quiet our hearts and still ourselves. And our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 105. The psalmist writes, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he pronounced. You, his servants, the descendants of Abraham, his chosen ones, the children of God. Let us worship the Lord in spirit and in truth.
if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, nine. Shall we pray? Holy and merciful God, we acknowledge that we have sinned and fallen short of your glory. Forgive us, we pray. Our sins are like a straitjacket, binding us and keeping us from a right relationship with you. Although we know we cannot free ourselves from our sins through our own strength, we still try. We are lost. We are haunted by our own materialistic wants and allured by the world's definition of success. We've shunned you from our lives in hopes of finding happiness. Yet you wait for us with wide open arms. Free us from our worldly wants and sins, we pray. Wash us in your power. We call upon your grace and love and mercy as we confess our sins and ask for your forgiveness. Help us to live in a way that brings you glory and honor and use us to further your kingdom. In the strong name of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, hear and believe the good news. There is no chasm that cannot be bridged, no loss that cannot be removed, no mistake that cannot be forgiven, no life that cannot be redeemed by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Put your confidence in God's grace and know that you are forgiven.
songs will sing great are you Lord and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great Ending our series on the wisdom literature of Solomon this morning, and as way of getting getting ready to hear from the God's word, I'd like to remind everyone listening, Solomon's the wisest man alive. Solomon was son of David, a man after God's own heart. Solomon saw himself when he's writing this book, Ecclesiastes, as the churchman. He doesn't even name himself as the author. He's the churchman. He's the seeker. He's the question asker. And uh, as we turn to Ecclesiastes one last time, I just hope and I pray that you've been challenged, you've been encouraged, and you've met, been met by, the, by these words written by this amazing man of God. Um, we're going to be studying this morning Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than the sacrifice offered by fools. For they do not know how to keep from doing evil. Never be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be quick to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you upon earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For dreams come with many cares and a fool's voice with many words. When you make a vow to God, do not delay fulfilling it, for he has no pleasure in, in fools. Fulfill what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your words and destroy the work of your hands? With many dreams 
come vanities and a multitude of, of words, but fear God. If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and right, do not be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But all things considered, this is an advantage for a land, a king for a plowed field. The lover of money will not be satisfied with money, nor the lover of wealth with gain. This also is vanity or emptiness. When goods increase, those who eat them increase. And what gain has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of laborers, whether they eat little or much. But the surfeit of the rich will not let them sleep. There is a grievous ill that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owners to their hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. Though they are parents of children, they have nothing in their hands. As they came from their mother's womb, so they shall go again. Naked as they came, they shall take nothing for their toil, which they may carry away with their hands. This is also a grievous ill. Just as they came, so shall they go. And what gain do they have from toiling for the wind? Besides, all their days they eat in darkness, in much, in much vexation and sickness and in resentment. This is what I have seen to be good. It is fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of the life God gives us. For this is our lot. Likewise, all to whom God gives wealth and possessions and whom he enables to enjoy them and to accept their lot and find enjoyment in their toil. This is the gift of God. For they will scarcely brood over the days of their lives because God keeps them occupied with the joy of their hearts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our text this morning starts with, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. I would like to remind everyone listening that at the time that Solomon is writing this, the house of God was the temple, the Holy of Holies, the place where literally God dwelt and his presence was on the earth. I got a question for us. Where is the house of God now? post-Christ, post-Holy Spirit indwelling and being inside each and every believer in Christ. If you were listening in our First Peter series, you'll know the answer is we are the house of God. Guard your steps when we gather together. And I don't think he... Um, I don't think that's... I don't think we physically have to be together for the presence to dwell and bind us together as the church. I'd like to read a quote from Ray Stedman. He says this, or he writes this, We, believing people, are the house of God 
what the searcher is saying is that when we gather as the people of God, be expectant. There is something to be learned, something important. Being with the people of God is important to learning to let God be God. Reverence is seeping all over this text. Reverence for God. Um, and that flows straight into verse 2. And when Solomon says, Never be rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be quick to utter a word before God. There was a 13th century Persian mystic, Rumi, who wrote this, I should sell my tongue and buy a thousand ears when that one steps near and begins to speak. For Rumi, that one that one that is stepping near is that inner voice because he's a mystic. For us as followers of Jesus, that one stepping near is God and in the Holy Spirit, in Jesus the Christ, and the Heavenly Father. When God comes near, Solomon is challenging us to think about selling our tongues so that we could have a thousand ears. Um, Jesus mentions this. He's uh, when when Solomon the next part he talks about how it's better to make a vow, uh, it's better not to make a vow than to make a vow and break it. Jesus says that same th- same exact thing in his sermons. Paul, in his letters, he says, "Be slow to speak, quick to listen." Um, this is like before, simple pragmatic advice, things that get in the way and you and I I well maybe not you but definitely I I notice my tongue gets in the way so often Um, and then cruising through the text verses 8 and 9 you see that there's oppression do not be amazed it reminds me of the words of Jesus, doesn't it remind you of those words when Jesus says, you'll always have the poor amongst you. Um, I remember I was in Venezuela right after I graduated high school. We were on a short term missions trip through New Tribes Missions, and uh, we were building a, a new dormitory um, for the school for all the missionary kids to stay in when they were gathered together in this certain part of Venezuela. Um, And I remember one time it was pouring rain. It was just, it was coming down. You know, it's like the Amazon jungle. It's, uh, you know, there's a reason why it's so uh, jungly. It's because there's so much water. Anywho, there's this huge rainstorm. And Denny, the missionary that was posted there, had us digging the trench. And I remember... We were digging this trench because we were, we, were, we were first laying the foundation and making the footprint for this building. And you would shovel, you know, you'd throw one shovel load of the trench outside the trench and it would automatically fill up with three or four. It didn't, it looked like we weren't going anywhere. We weren't doing anything. And I remember just feeling 
the injustice of it, the anger of it, the frustration of it. Uh, that is what Solomon, and he, Solomon plants the seed right here and he picks this up in verses 12 through 17. Um, but the injustice, uh, it continues today. I don't know if you've read any newspapers, if you have watched any news, um, but the, the 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 injustices that are going on are infuriating. People are being held down because the color of their skin. Um, there are, are wealthy people um, taking advantage of poor people everywhere. And Solomon mentions this and it strikes a chord in me. And if it strikes a chord in you, I think that's good. I think that's a good thing. There's, there's a holy uh, anger at the injustice. But notice that the comfort is in the truth that God sees it. I remember uh, after digging, like digging for you know a couple hours and not getting anywhere, Denny pulled us all inside and we were just talking and drinking water and Gatorade. And I he looked at me and he said, "Jason, I saw you getting a little angry. What was that about?" I I, I remember thinking, I, I and, and I think I even told him. I said. I felt like I was going to, it was going nowhere. And I felt like I was going to, it was going to go on forever. But then he said, I saw you. And in the same way, Solomon is saying, God sees it. God sees this. He, he knows. And the long story and the God's story Justice will be served. Then in verses 10 and 11, can't you just, this is almost a more poetic version than Jesus' you can't serve God and money both. Read 10 and 11. The lover of money will not be satisfied with money, nor the lover of wealth with gain. This is also emptiness. When goods increase, those who eat them increase. (laughs) <laughs> isn't that the, isn't that the way it is right the more we want stuff the more stuff we want this is just a caution a wise person saying well the wisest person on earth Solomon saying don't love money and then he gets back into God seeing the oppression verses 12 through 17 and he doubled down and he says there is a grievous ill. There's a grievous ill that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owners to their hurt. I don't know if you know any people that have lived through this. Um, I, I've been called into ministry, and most of my ministries I've been ministering to the up and in rather than the down and out. And this is one of the truest things that I've, like, I can bear witness to this truth. Wealth and the love of money 
ends in destruction. And although everything looks shiny and happy and things are like um, things we see on TV and we're all told that if we get this, we will be living the high life, we'll be happy, we'll be filled with joy when it's quite the contrary, right? Look at verse 17. He, Solomon pulls back the veil and shows the end of the story of the people that chase after money, that chase after wealth, that chase after, and they end up oppressing everybody. Um, they end up taking from the needy so that they might have more, so that they might win, quote, unquote. But he pulls back the veil right into verse 17. He says, besides all their days, they eat in darkness. You get this, this picture of this person that has launched into his venture of, of happiness and success, and he's gone about it trying to acquire as much as he possibly can. And at the end of it, he's just in this dark corner hoarding, filled with sickness and resentment. And then he ends this chapter with a, with a burst of hope. I've seen, I've seen a good this is what I've seen to be good. It is fitting to eat and drink enjoyment in. Being content. He's seen something that is good. Someone that's living in the present. Someone that is content with what God has given him or her. A person that enjoys even the toils, even the hard parts, savoring the moments winning and losing. Um, I don't know if you do this, but our family has grown to love high-low. We do high-lows at the end of most days. And uh, that's actually, it's a form of the prayer of examine. St. Ignatius uh, came up with. And the point of doing high lows, and if, 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 if you're unclear, it's just everyone goes around and says the high point of their day and the low point of their day. And St. Ignatius, in his prayer of examine, his intention, he makes clear when he was writing it, is to see if you look back on the, on the days a lot of the times, God uses the lows more than uses anything. God is present in both your highs and your lows. That's the that's the the overarching lesson from the prayer of examine, and that's what Solomon sees as good at the end of chapter five. Someone who lives in the moment seeing that God is in the highs and God is in the lows. And gratitude pours out of his or her pores. 
how do we apply this? How do we apply this chapter? These wit, these wise nuggets given to us by Solomon. First, when we gather, whether that's virtual, uh, by phone, or in person, uh, with social distancing, reverence. I, I could camp out here and talk for a, a little bit. Um, I think it would it'd be interesting to see if we if we took this to heart, if we took this challenge of Solomon's in and, and applied it into our lives. I don't I don't think there would be so much gossip. I don't think there would be uh, so much petty talk when we gathered either by phone or by Zoom or, or whatever. And if we reverently realized that God was making us into the house of God mystically and amazingly and miraculously, I think we would become small and God would become big. And our conversations would be filled with praise and with gratitude and with depth. We wouldn't be talking about sports. We wouldn't be talking about games and movies and all kinds of stuff. We would, we would start our conversations together with holy pause. How do we apply? Um, sell your tongues. Sell your tongues for more ears. Be slow to speak, quick to listen. I feel like that one keeps coming up, right? Um, we can draw comfort from this text, from the truth God sees. This oppression, this racial division, this strife that's gone on before, it's going on now. It's going to continue to go on. But God sees, and in the end, it's not going to go on forever. There's going to be a reckoning day, and there's going to be a day where God comes and makes everything right. Don't love money. Don't love money. I think, pragmatically, the best way for me to not love money and to put things in perspective is to give stuff away. That's just a side note. That's not Solomon. That's just Jason. My my ammunition, my my go-to when I feel like I'm wanting too much and I'm and I, I'm getting a little too greedy or getting my sights on owning too many things is to give things away is to bless other people with things I've been blessed with and remember uh, you could also read that verse over and over uh, you can read verse 17 the end of the story is never really told in the commercials, right? When we're being sold this want for more things and this greed. 
they don't really show the end of the story where you being owned by the things that you were meant to use as tools. And then last but not least, I'd love to read what Stedman wrote about this good ending. Enjoyment does not come from possessions or from riches, nor does it come from companionship, from popularity and fame, from the approval and the admiration of others. Enjoyment comes by knowing the living God and taking everything from his hand with thanksgiving, whether pain or pleasure, that is the gift of God, and that is the lesson of this great book of Ecclesiastes. And then he looks at verse 20. He says, and read verse 20. He seldom reflects on the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. When people, this is Stedman, when people discover the richness of life that God has provided, they do not much think of past or even talk about it. They do not talk about the future either because they are so richly involved with savoring life right now. How good is it to know the living God, to know that he controls what comes into your life. He expects you to make choices. Scripture always encourages that. But rejoice in the wisdom of a father's heart and richly enjoy what is handed you day by day. That is the secret of life. Amen and amen. As we continue in worship, God remains faithful and you remain faithful, Presbyterian Church of Covenant, with your tithes and your offerings. Over the past couple of weeks, we've taken in $9,080. God is good to us. Amen? Amen. If you'd like to send in your tithes and offerings, send them to Presbyterian Church of the Covenant, P.O. Box 2128, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. This morning's offerings and tithes are now received.
And so we do. We come before our Lord with our prayers, with our requests, and with our love. Pray with me now. Holy God, we worship you not only in the words we say and the hymns we sing, but in the silences we keep. In speaking and in listening, may we be open to your word and ready to respond with respectful obedience, like Jesus our Lord. Hear us now as we pray for the needs of the Church, the whole human family, and all the world. We pray for our country and its many needs. So much seems to be out of control, as people use violence as a means of communicating. In our country and in our world, we ask that you continue to break down walls of hostility and fill us with the spirit of your redeeming love. We pray for peace where there is unrest, and we pray that people can find nonviolent ways of handling their disagreements or expressing themselves. We pray that all people may treat one another with respect Help us to live in communities where we need not fear. We pray for our church and our communities as facilities begin to open up. Guide us to do so wisely that all may be protected from the virus. Protect our children as classes begin again in a variety of ways. 
be with our church leaders as they seek new and creative ways to worship. Keep us united during this time of physical separation. We pray for the southern part of our country, struggling to comprehend the disaster inflicted by the hurricane. Send them the help they need and give them hope for the future. We also pray for the hundreds of fires still blazing in the state, threatening homes and lives. Put your protecting hand around these communities and also around the thousands of firefighters working hard to bring these fires under control. Our nation is now in the last few months leading to the presidential election. The candidates have accepted the nomination. The campaigning has begun in earnest. Keep them and us voters focused on the issues and guide us into making wise choices when we vote, seeking what is best for the common good. God of compassion, we give thanks that you send your spirit to comfort our fears. Embrace and help those who are troubled today. Lighten the darkness of those who are grieving. Send them comforters in their grief. We pray for the weak and vulnerable, that you protect them from abuses of life. Give courage to try again for those who have fallen in their lives. Bless those to whom disappointment has come. Bring healing to those who are ill, facing surgery or undergoing treatments. We pray for healing for Terry Ewan and for Charlotte DeMont. And we continue to pray for Frank and Diane Ortiz and others that we name in our hearts. Help them to sense your healing presence. Give new hope to all for whom we pray. Direct us and help us, O God, that in all our works we may glorify your holy name. With courage, may we proclaim your word and complete the work you have set forth for us to do through Jesus Christ, your Son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And before I send us out with a benediction, I'd like to remind everybody, hopefully I'll see you next Sunday. September 6th at 10 a.m. in the back parking lot of Presbyterian Church of the Covenant will be doing a drive-in worship service. And now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, now, before all ages, and forevermore.
Amen.